0: Welcome to another episode of The Heart's Desire. Uh, In this podcast, I focus on issues that affect marriage and family today, and I approach it from not only a therapeutic perspective, but also a Catholic viewpoint. Hi, my name is Greg Schutte, and I'm your host. I'm a marriage therapist and the director of Marriage Works Ohio. I'm the author of the Discovering Our Deepest Desire Catholic Marriage Enrichment Program. I'm also a husband and father, a husband to Stephanie for the past 25 years, and I have seven children. Uh, I'm going to continue down this whole path of doing this seven uh, seven talk series on building a eucharistic marriage, and I know some time has lapsed between the last time I did the fourth aspect of building a eucharistic marriage t- till now. But of course, there was the holidays, and it was kind of hard to um, you know spend time with family and do all the things that we needed to around Christmas and New Year's. And get to everything else. So this is one of those things that kind of suffered along the way. I didn't get to, but um, so I'm, I'm going to continue down this this path of how to build a eucharistic marriage. Again, if you're just starting in this uh, on this um, session or section of the building a eucharistic marriage, then I would encourage you to go back to the very beginning and start. You know, with number one. Because these all move in a certain direction and they go in a certain sequence, and it's all important. So, as, as you, if you've listened to this, you know that what I'm talking about here is how do you build a marriage that is Eucharistic in nature, and it's also focused on how we also build this Eucharistic connection with our Lord through the Mass. So we're connecting these dots between our relationship with our earthly spouse and having that connection with our heavenly spouse. So we'll start there first, which is always the most important, is our relationship with Christ. If you remember last time, or if you haven't listened and you're going back to that, last thing what we talked about is the number four thing in really developing a stronger relationship is that communication skills, we've got to have that ability to listen to the heart of our spouse. In listening to them, we hear things that need to change. We hear things about what we've done that may have hurt them or may have caused them some angst. And now we've got some, you know, we've got some information here and we need to do something about it. What often happens when we hear things that we don't like is we want to battle back. We want to fight back at our spouse. We want to negate what they had to say. We want to come up with our defense. So we don't look like such the the bad person in all of this. But that's not necessarily the best way to handle this. Sometimes there's there's a need to fight back. But I think in our relationships today, too many people want to fight back too quickly. They want to jump at uh, the attacker. We'll just call it that. We'll call them that. Is you know when we feel under attack, that that natural self-preservation part of us kicks in, and we want to defend. So we want to come up with ways. Um, that we weren't at fault, uh, put the blame somewhere else. But the problem with that is we face this whole concept of we're trying to change other people. And too often we, we battle back because we don't want to have to deal with the change. But Christ, in being Eucharistic, says we need to look inside ourselves. We need to see our own fault in this. You know, too often we look at the, again, from scripture, we look at the splinter in our spouse's eye, but we haven't removed the plank in our own. And the beauty of listening to the other person is we get a chance to hear what it is that's blinding us or that we're doing to our spouse that's hurting them. And whether we're doing it intentionally or not is not the most important part here. The the point is, is from their perspective they've been hurt and now we've got to do something about that well when we break our relationship with Christ we do that through sin so sin enters into our actions we become selfish we become self-centered we become uh, afraid and in that fear we turn to sin We make choices that separate us from God, whether it's lying, whether it's adultery, whether it's pornography, whether it's, you know, you name the sin. Anything, whether it's great or small, separates us from God. Now, there are those sins that are greater, you know, what God calls the mortal sins, those sins that are are extremely deadly and they deaden our connection with Christ as opposed to venial sins, which are those daily sins that we continue to battle with every day. In fact, Scripture says you know, that even the just man falls seven times a day. And that happens where we just have those little sins throughout the day, but we don't have all this intent, this deeper uh, intent to do the wrong thing. We know it's wrong. We, we plan to do it, and we know that it's not good, and we do it anyway so when we hurt the other person we have to take that look at ourselves and look inside of ourselves and that again was in step three of building a eucharistic marriage that we talked about before which was that looking inside of ourselves but this goes in conjunction with that because now that we've we've seen this this sin of ours these ways that we've hurt our our spouse or we've hurt god Now we need to do something with that. So part of it is is looking inside of ourselves. But we don't always see the issue. Sometimes we're blinded to it. And it's later on when we're hearing a sermon or we're reading a certain scripture or we're reading a prayer and something convicts our heart that we have, we've done something that's really wrong. You know, I just had that recently where... And, you know, however you, you deem this, you, you, you'll you hear my struggles and you go, Oh, that's not a big deal, or "Oh, that is a big deal. It doesn't matter. For me, it was a huge deal in the sense that I've talked a lot about God and a lot about relationships, but I just realized through some scripture and through some um, spiritual direction that I I've been failing in my deeper knowledge of christ and spending and building that relationship with him and so as i hear that now i've got to do something about that you know so those times when we're we're reflecting when we're thinking we can see deeper and we look inside of ourselves but we also need more information and that's what we talked about last time in the whole listening to our spouse so in listening to scripture and listening to my spiritual direction that's when I finally heard, oh my gosh, you know, I've been missing this mark. I've been neglecting my relationship with Christ. Now I got to do something about it. Too often, like I said, we want to blame someone else. I could sit there and say, "Well, you know, it's not my fault because I just I haven't had time for for God. I've got too much going on. Um, I've had a death in the family. I have this going on." So I can excuse it away, but it still doesn't Negate the fact that my relationship with him is struggling, and I need to work at it. So once we hear this, what we have within our ability to do is seek mercy, seek forgiveness. And that's the beauty of apologies and forgiveness. And in the Mass, we start off Mass, like I was talking about in the... um, in the first three aspects of building this Eucharistic marriage, you know, one of those is really looking inside of ourselves through confession and seeing how we have hurt uh, others, we have hurt God. So it's that looking inside of ourselves. Uh, we also see that in the penitential rite. But now we have a chance, once we hear specifically what's going on between us, and God. Now we have a couple other places within the Mass to really focus on making things right. The first one is in the sign of peace. Now what I love about Scripture is God you know wants us to find connection with Him and to find peace and to find healing. But if you you know read deeper into Scripture you also see where He calls us to be be in a better state with those around us so he'll say you know if you have a gift to bring to the altar uh, but you know that you've been hurting your your brother and you have anger towards him go seek out forgiveness go seek out healing there and then come back to me so god knows that we also experience um love of him and healing with him in our healing with others as christ said You know, what you do to the least of these my people, that you do to me. And so he calls us into finding that peace and that repentance and forgiveness. And in the sign of peace, that's what it's called to be, is that we're not just there to shake hands and go, Hey, you know, nice to see you, peace be with you, hope everything's going great. It really is a moment for us to seek out those around us Especially those whom we have hurt to say look if I've hurt you in any way I want peace to be there between us so please, you know Accept my my peace here and accept my my apology and my need for forgiveness and it's also giving forgiveness to them also so you know, that sign of peace is that way of building that connection back with each other You know, in Sirach 5, we can see uh, um, an example of this call to repentance. And I love this, this passage, and it's Sirach 5, 4 through 8. It says, Say not, I have sinned, yet what has befallen me? Of forgiveness, be not overconfident, adding sin upon sin. Say not, great is his mercy, my many sins he will forgive. For mercy and anger alike are with him. Upon the wicked alights his wrath. Delay not your conversion to the Lord. Put it not off from day to day. It's saying, you know, sometimes we can uh, get overconfident in God's mercy, and it's like, you know, that that was just a minor thing. I didn't. It wasn't that big of a deal. We do that with our spouse all the time. It's not a big deal. Why are you making a big deal out of it? But God is saying don't be overconfident about that make sure that you're looking within yourself and seeking forgiveness because god also expects you know us to convert and and not delay in that conversion because it keeps us separated from him is the same in our relationships with others another place in in the mass that we seek this repentance and this connection, reconnection with Christ, is the Lamb of God. When we say, Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, grant me peace. And that's our seeking, that reconnection with Christ, after we have sinned throughout the day, throughout the week, so that we can enter into this Eucharist fully with Him. Throughout Scripture, we see you know, God trying to call us back, to um, repentance, and trying to seek and give forgiveness, so it's it goes both ways. Uh, in our relationship with each other, we need to be willing to seek forgiveness when we mess up, and to give forgiveness when our spouse messes up. I think too often we hold it over each other as a power play. I've got something on you, you've messed up, so now you know, I've got some uh, I've got some leverage over you because I can hold that against you. I can sh- show you that I'm mad, and, and that'll put you put me in a one-up position. We often do that in a relationship, and that's not what God's calling us to. He's calling us to give mercy to our spouse, to forgive them, and to not see it as a one-up kind of situation. Sin is the source of all marital dissatisfaction. The greatest gift that you can give your kids is a strong and healthy marriage. But I often say that when we're at odds with each other in our marriage, we're not free to truly be the husband, the wife, the father, the mother that God's calling us to be. Why? Because there's that that angst between us, that fighting that's going on, And it drains us of what, of being our best for those in need, our children. You know, that sin of selfishness, lust, anger, pride, impatience, all those things that drain us. And we need to get in the way of sin and disrupt it. How do we do this? We start by apologizing. And in an apology, I I say there's four aspects to really um, giving a true apology. The first is you got to acknowledge the problem. If you don't acknowledge the problem you can't deal with it. You can't you can't um fix something that you don't identify. You're 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 battling shadows. The second thing is that you got to apologize with sincerity. Too many people come in my office for therapy and it's the I told you I'm sorry or um I'm sorry, you know, they 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 couch it with a, a little bit of an attitude versus a a sincere apology which says I really am sad that I hurt you. I didn't want to hurt you, and I want to find healing. So I am so sorry that I hurt you, whether I meant to or not. The third thing is a brief explanation. And the key word here is brief, because too often we want to go on this long tirade of explaining away what we did or explain why we did what we did, versus just a brief explanation of, yeah, I did it, and I was trying to be mean. I was trying to get you back, that wasn't good. Or, I really didn't mean it. I wasn't trying to to dominate the, the conversation. I wasn't trying to put you down. I just made a mistake in what I said. And then the fourth thing is, apologize again with the resolve to change. I'm so sorry that I I hurt you by my words last night. I will be more mindful of how I kid around with you Or the things that I say when we're around other people. So, you know, we have to be quick with our apologies when we mess up. There's a famous author, Ogden Nash, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him before, but had a saying which I love, which goes like this. It says, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the wedding cup. Whenever you're wrong, admit it. And whenever you're right, shut up. Now, again, I think it's, it's one of those to say two things in this. Whenever you're wrong, admit it. Deal with it right away. And when you're right, don't hold it over the other person. Don't um, beat them up with being right. Like, that, like I said, that one-up type of thing. Which then goes into the next area, which is, you know, not only should we be willing to apologize, we should also be willing in situations where our spouse messes up to give forgiveness you know just think about that just as much as we want to be forgiven for what we do wrong so does our spouse I was just watching a movie last night called um, did you hear about the Morgans Uh, with Hugh Grant and Sarah Parker and it really goes through this whole situation where there was an infidelity uh, in the relationship and it's very it's very real to what a lot of uh, clients I see in, in therapy deal with when it comes to infidelity. It's this um, difficulty with forgiving the other person. There's a lot of apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You see this in the movie where um, Hugh Grant is apologizing profusely. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What more can I say? I'm sorry. Sarah Parker's not real quick to forgive and that's understandable when you have a hurt like that it takes time to forgive but there's also a difference between forgiveness and trusting and I think that that's where she gets it a little mixed up is that she doesn't trust him and she does say that at one point I just don't trust you and that's okay but forgiveness is a little bit different and forgiveness is letting go of that anger that holds us bound and keeps us bitter and too many people do not want to forgive because again they keep that one up on the other person. They don't forgive because they're afraid that it's it's they're condoning what the other person did or letting go of it or the other person is gonna feel like, you know, they've been they're vindicated and they can move on with their life. When the reason we hold on to that forgiveness is because we want resolve. We want to see things change. So it's kind of a tricky area. But ultimately, giving forgiveness is about releasing that that anger inside of ourselves that holds us bound. You know, I I often try and help couples and individuals realize or think about, you know, Christ being crucified on the cross and how much, you know, he could have held over our heads for what we did to him through the crucifixion. But he forgave us even on the cross. Christ says, you know, in the in excruciating pain, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Don't we all long to be forgiven? I mean there are some people that are stuck in their sin and they just can't stop sinning, and so, you know, that's a something we have to work with them on, or sometimes we have to separate ourselves from. But when people are really trying to seek out forgiveness and seek out Healing it's important that we are quick to forgive um, But not necessarily quick to trust that takes time When it comes to forgiveness, I always tell people to live with the end in mind What do I mean by that? You know when we think about our own death when we think about What we want to be remembered for and what our goal is for the end of our life It puts things in more perspective. I mean sometimes we'll say Imagine if you were going to, if you knew you were going to die and you were going to die in a week, what would you do differently now? I think a lot of people, at least I know for me, I would want to heal certain aspects of my life. I even saw this with my own mother-in-law as once she, she got this diagnosis uh, of brain cancer, all of a sudden, everything changed for her. And she wanted to make reconciliation with God and with all these people around her. And she spent a lot of time doing that. That's how we should be living every day. You know, and I think about that all the time is on my deathbed. What do I want to be remembered for? Do I want my kids to have that love for me? Or do I want them to be angry with me? No, I want them to have a love for me and an appreciation So every day I need to live with that in mind, and be quick to apologize, and quick to give forgiveness, to seek out healing. Pope Francis in Amoris Laetitia says, When we have been offended or let down, forgiveness is possible and desirable, but no one can say that it is easy. The truth is that family communion can only be preserved and perfected through a great spirit of sacrifice. It requires, in fact, a ready and generous openness of each and all to understanding, to forbearance, to pardon, to reconciliation. So this fifth aspect of building a Eucharistic marriage builds off the others before this. We have to stand knowing each other. We have to understand the depth of what God's design is for marriage in the Mass. We need to look inside of ourselves to really see what I'm doing to separate myself from from my spouse. I have to really listen to my spouse and what they are needing from me and what I'm doing that may be causing them pain. And in this fifth aspect of building a Eucharistic marriage, it's called for mercy. Mercy in seeking mercy when I've messed up, and given mercy when my spouse has hurt me. Because then that opens us up to finding healing and moving to the next steps that we will be talking about over the next uh, couple of weeks here. Well, thanks for listening, and please join me again each week as I delve into more issues that affect marriage and family life and look at ways to improve and strengthen our marriage journey. If you enjoyed the show, please consider encouraging your friends and family to also listen in. And if you have any topics that you would like for me to touch on in the future, feel free to contact me through my website, OurDeepestDesire.com. You can also go there to learn more about the Discovering Our Deepest Desire curriculum. And until next week, may God lead you deeper into discovering your heart's innermost desire.